I encourage you to open your Bibles to the New Testament letter of 1 Peter. The New Testament letter of 1 Peter. As we continue our study of 1 Peter under the theme, Tracing the Rainbow Through the Rain, Hope for the Hurting. In the first session, we established the contextual theme of 1 Peter. Peter is offering hope to these believers in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. The suffering of Jesus Christ on their behalf has made two things available to them and to us. It has made available salvation here and heaven hereafter. Let me try to give you a visual image of the context or the theme of this precious letter. The drawing will be crude, but I think it will help convey in a visual way the theme of this particular letter. Remember, Peter is writing to believers who are in the midst of incredible suffering. The rain is falling, the lightning is flashing, the wind is raging, and everything in their lives that is not nailed down seems to be coming apart. When we talk about suffering, what are they experiencing? What are we talking about when we say they are suffering? Remember, they were experiencing joblessness. If they were tradesmen, nobody would do business with them lest they be considered sympathizers of this particular sect. If they were employees, no one was willing to hire them lest they be considered sympathizers to the cause. So they were experiencing joblessness. They were experiencing homelessness. The Roman government was confiscating their property. They were taking away not only their homes, but their blankets, their cloaks, their beds, which led to incredible hunger. If they did not have a place of employment, they did not have an opportunity to make a living. If they could not make a living, they could not buy food. If they could not buy food, they had obviously nothing to eat. It was a tragic set of circumstances as a mother would hold a crying baby in her arms, watching that little child die of starvation because they could not afford food to feed that precious infant. There was also persecution. Nero's favorite form of persecution was to roll believers in wax, impale them on stakes, and use them to light his rose garden at night. The Colosseum became a fanfare of persecution as believers were being grabbed off the streets and fed to lions in the Colosseum for the pleasure of the heathens around them. So they were experiencing tremendous suffering. Six times in the epistle, Peter refers to the suffering of these precious saints. He calls them fiery trials, hellish ordeals. How in the world can he encourage these believers in the midst of their suffering? And Peter seeks to offer them 
hope. Remember in our first session, we said hope is not wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible is a bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event. Four times, Peter refers to the hope that is available to them. Where can they find this hope? What is the source of this hope? The source of their hope is found in the suffering of Jesus Christ and all that his suffering has made available to them. Seven times Peter refers to the suffering of Christ. And so these believers could find hope in the midst of their suffering by looking to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. Salvation here, heaven hereafter. And so in the midst of their storm, they could have peace. They did not know what the future held, but they knew the one who held the future in his hands. That is the context of this precious letter. So let's move from the context now to the content. We have just looked at a visual image that I hope communicates the theme, the context of First Peter. Remember, Peter is writing to these suffering saints and seeking to offer them hope in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. That is the context of 1 Peter. So let's turn our attention from the context to the content. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. We continue at verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Remember from our first session, we said when looking at context, there are three questions we need to ask ourselves. Who is writing? To whom is he writing? And why is he writing? What is the purpose of the letter? We see in verse 1, the author, Peter makes it very clear, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. There is no other explanation or identification. Peter was so well known in the first century world that when this letter reached these suffering saints, he didn't need to describe himself. He didn't need to explain himself. He didn't need to identify himself. He simply refers to himself as Peter an apostle. No other identification was necessary. But what's interesting when we look at Peter's introduction is Peter does not use the term apostle to provide any kind of identification. It's not meant for identity, it's meant for authority. The Greek word for apostle is apostolos, and it literally means a delegate, an ambassador, one who is commissioned, one who has been sent by someone else. So Peter's identifying himself for these first century saints as a delegate, an ambassador, one who speaks on behalf of another. 
In the New Testament, there were three basic criteria for apostleship. Criteria number one, the individual had to be in the company of Jesus from his baptism to his ascension. Did Peter meet this criteria? We look at Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, and you should, go back to Acts chapter 1, the day of Pentecost, and Peter's first sermon. In Acts chapter 1, verse 21, Peter writes, Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us at this time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter himself identifies one of the criteria of calling yourself an apostle is you have to be an individual that had been with Jesus from his baptism to his resurrection. Did Peter qualify? Absolutely. The second criteria for apostleship was an eyewitness to be an eyewitness of the resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 8, on that first Easter morning, when Mary went to the tomb, we are told in John chapter 20, verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter, St. Peter who's writing this letter, came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were coming to the tomb. So the second criteria, they had to be an eyewitness to the resurrection. Did Peter fit that criteria? Absolutely. The third criteria for apostleship is the individual had to be chosen of God for his particular assignment. Was Peter chosen by God for this unique assignment we find in 1 Peter of encouraging these saints in the midst of their suffering? Now keep in mind, Peter is making the brash claim that he has been sent to these believers by God on behalf of God. How in the world could Peter make such an arrogant claim? Because it was true. How do we know this was true? In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It is the Lord Jesus speaking. And he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, that implies defeat. That implies desperation. Strengthen, encourage your brothers. So the Lord Jesus had told Peter, look, Peter, you're going to fail. You say you're not going to fail, but I'm telling you, you're going to fail. The good news is, you're going to recover from that failure. And when you recover from that failure, I am commissioning you to strengthen, to encourage the brethren. 
And what do we know to Peter uh, about Peter up to this point in the Gospels? Peter is considered brash, arrogant. He had a short fuse, and he suffered from foot-in-mouth disease. When you look at the 12 apostles, Peter would not be the individual that you would say is called to encourage the saints. That was not Peter's gift. In fact, let's look at uh, some passages about Peter to establish his character prior to this event. In Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, we find that wonderful narrative where Jesus has been teaching to the multitudes. He sent the disciples on ahead as they are on the water. In the wee hours of the morning, they look and they see Jesus approaching. It is a passage many students of Scripture are very, very familiar with. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And he had sent the crowds away. And he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat, verse 24, was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, O Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now those of us who are students of Scripture immediately jump to the latter part of that story, and we see Peter falling like a rock. But I ask you, when he said to tw all twelve, Come, who came? Only Peter had the confidence and the faith to get out of the boat. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, who do you? say that I am. And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was brash. Peter was bold. Peter was arrogant. But also Peter was a man of strong faith. Later, Peter would say to the Lord Jesus, Though all may fall away, I will never fall away. And yet we know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it was Peter standing not before a group of religious leaders, but before a little slave girl who said, I never knew the man. Jesus had said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter said, Lord, everyone else can walk away from you, but I will never walk away from you. And yet his arrogance and his confidence crumbled 
when he denied the Lord Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. How did that Peter become this encourager? John chapter 21. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. The disciples are waiting to see what is next. And they gather beside the bank. And we read in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. But what does that have to do with Peter? Verse 15, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Here it comes. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep. Let me pause in the reading of the passage and share something very significant. There are multiple words in the Greek language for love. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He used the word agape. That is a selfless, sacrificial, all-consuming kind of love. When Peter responded, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter used the Greek word for love, phileo, a familial, brotherly kind of love. Why does that matter? Jesus is asking Peter, you've boasted, you've been arrogant, now do you love me to the ultimate nth degree? And Peter in humility had to say, Lord, this is all I'm capable of. So a third time, Jesus posed the question. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? It is as if the Lord Jesus said to Peter, you've been honest, you've been humbled, you've been honest. I'm going to meet you where you are, and I'll lift you to where I need you to be. Peter, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And that is how Peter the stubborn became Peter the sympathetic. But whom was Peter called to strengthen and courage? That is a question we will tackle in our next session. But in closing, let me remind you, like Peter, your failures need not be final. God loves you. God wants to use you. And God can take the mess of your past 
and use it as the platform to demonstrate his power and presence in your life, if you will let him. We'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us on this journey into God's Word. This ministry was birthed out of a genuine desire to communicate the Word of God in a way that people could understand it and practically apply it to their lives. We long to be a complement to the local church, the body of Christ, as well as a catalyst that motivates men and women to go deeper and stay longer in God's Word. In that regard, we really do need your help. If you have been encouraged by this ministry, please let us know. It encourages us to know how we have encouraged you. You can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com, wordpowermm at gmx.com. Second, you could share this ministry with others. This is a grassroots movement that really requires spreading from those who have initially been a part of what we are doing. If you know people that want to go deeper in God's Word, or men and women who are seeking Christ but need a venue by which they might hear about Him and be encouraged by Him, please share that with others. You can find us on Instagram or follow us on any podcast at Word Power Media Ministry. All of these sessions will be posted on YouTube. Simply type in Word Power Media Ministry, hit subscribe, click the bell, and you'll be notified of future sessions as they are posted. Again, we need your help. We need the encouragement that you can provide by reaching out to us, and we need the support you can provide by sharing this ministry with others. Thank you for what you are doing. And remember, you need not fear what the future holds as long as you know the one who holds your future in his hands.